Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Episode 259 of Rams Up. This is our Rams rehash. We've had a night to sleep on it. Additional thoughts on this loss to the Eagles, 23-14 at SoFi. I got one thing that's going to make you feel better about this loss and where the Rams stand right now, and one thing that's going to probably really bother you. The Rams are 2-3, and three, and who have they played? They have played five teams with a cumulative record of 18 wins and six losses. Two undefeated teams plus the 3-1 and one Seattle Seahawks, the 3-2 and two Indianapolis Colts, and the 2-3 and three Cincinnati Bengals. Three of those games on the road, that Seattle, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis, 2-1 and one on the road actually, 0-2 at home against two undefeated teams. Now that should make you feel a little bit better if you're making an overall assessment of this Rams team after week five. Now, this is the sad part. I mentioned during the last podcast that the Rams surrendering this late first half touchdown to the Eagles was very reminiscent of the 49er game. And what happened in that 49er game? 145 left in the half. The 49ers have the ball on their own 25. A 23-yard completion to Debo Samuel. 
a nine-yard completion to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey then runs for three yards, then a 20-yard pass to Jennings, an incomplete pass, and then it all fell apart. Pass interference on Darion Kendrick in the end zone. Sound familiar? Trying to cover Debo Samuel. So the 49ers are now at the one. And then a face mask on Darion Kendrick. The ball inches a little bit closer. 49ers have a few seconds left, so they throw an incompletion in the end zone. One second left. Now they can do whatever they want, and Brock Purdy scores on the keeper. Now what happened yesterday against the Eagles? Pretty similar. They have 32 seconds left on the clock. They're at their own 25. Hertz scrambles for nine yards, and then he throws an incompletion, and then the dagger to the heart of the Rams' defense. Hurts a 38-yard completion to A.J. Brown, Darion Kendrick in the coverage, and Darion Kendrick also with a penalty moves at half the distance to the goal. Now they're at the Rams' 14. And the next play, again going to A.J. Brown, and another penalty on Darion Kendrick. Pass interference down to the Rams one, and then we know what happens there. First and goal, and Jalen Hurts scores. So both of these drives, unfortunately, were assisted by two penalties on Darion Kendrick and some strange alignments by the Rams defense, in my opinion. I thought we'd learn this lesson by now. Darion Kendrick trying to cover big wide receivers one-on-one in critical situations. Rams are going to have to mix it up next time. I certainly hope they do. And that's one thing I will say about this defense. As well as they've played, I really think they are still short one cornerback. Both of these young guys have struggled a little bit. Overall, getting passing grades. We're talking about Kobe Durant and Darion Kendrick, but not stepping up in critical situations. Kobe Durant also had those missed tackles. We all saw that. On the injury front, Bobby Brown III, a grade three MCL sprain. He will be out five to seven weeks. Now the silver lining, if you want to call it that, that will include the Rams bye week. But he is going to be missed. Not sure how the Rams fill that void. He's our big body in the middle there, rotating in and out with Kobe Turner. Now we have Marquise Copeland and Corey Durden, defensive linemen on the practice squad, I'm not sure either one of them are really going to fill that role. Marquise Copeland, 6'2", 287. When he was active on the Rams roster, pretty sure he's mostly used as a five technique. Durden, out of North Carolina State, could be the guy. According to the NFL draft profile, he was a zero technique nose tackle. But Lance Zerline, the NFL analyst, wasn't sure that would be his role in the NFL. Maybe they'll pull him up. See what happens. Rams are going to have to add a defensive lineman. Got some snap counts of note. Ronnie Rivers just had the nine snaps and the one carry for one yard. Warren McClendon got in for six snaps for Havenstein. And Brian Allen played five snaps for Coleman Shelton. That was kind of scary when Shelton ran off. He looked like he was in severe pain. Did something to his hand, I guess. McVeigh saying on Monday that Havenstein and Shelton should both be okay for next week. Bryson Hopkins had the five snaps, and poor Van Jefferson in his contract year, just two snaps. On defense, Van Valkenburg got in for 17 snaps and had the one sack. It was really a covered sack, but still, hey, he got to the quarterback. 
Oshan Mathis was in on 10 snaps on defense, none on special teams. That surprised me. I thought it would be the other way around, but it makes sense. They want to see Mathis in this defense. Didn't think he really shook things up much. Struggled tackling-wise. Michael Hoyt still getting more snaps than Byron Young. That's another surprise. Quinton Lake got in for 14 snaps, and I think his contributions are going to fluctuate on a week-to-week basis, depending on what type of offense they're dealing with. Duke Shelley, nine snaps, and Ernest Brown, eight snaps. The special teams workhorses, Christian Roseboom, 14 snaps. Hoyt, Shelley, Rivers, and Skaronic, all 12 snaps. Hey, let's talk about the play calling a little bit, especially early in the second half. Game still in play. What did the Rams do? How did they divvy up their play calling? And I bring this up because there has been a lot of criticism about the Rams abandoning the run, relying on the passing game way too much. So let's take a look at it. Now, on the first possession of the second half, their first three plays were all pass plays, and that set them up third and long. And then they finally ran the ball, and that was the run where they called the face mask and gave the Rams a free first down. And then after that, they had the pass to Nakua, the run by Kyron Williams for three yards, and then two more passes and a punt. So six passes and two runs. And the one run was basically a secure run on third and long where they were gifted the first down. Their second possession after the interception by Witherspoon, they opened up with a run by Kyron Williams for seven yards. And then the big pass played in Nakua plus the penalty. And then three more passes, two incompletions, and then a pass which garnered negative two yards. And their third possession after halftime, they opened up with a six-yard pass. And then back-to-back runs by Kyron Williams for three yards each, an incompletion, a pass for five yards, and another incompletion. So their play calling on those first three possessions overall, 14 passes and five runs, Three of those runs went for three yards. Another one was just a, hey, let's hand it off and punt. And they were lucked into a first down. And then they had the one seven-yard run on first down by Kyron. So it wasn't necessarily an unproductive running game. Rams probably could have went to it a little bit more. But against the stout Eagles defense, I'm okay with that ratio. The Rams had been moving the ball through the air pretty well in the first half. It really comes down to not so much the play calling, in my opinion, but just executing in the passing game. And we got some pro football focus grades for you from the game. Our eyes did not deceive us. Duke Shelley, limited snaps for sure, but still an 84.9 grade. And Ernest Brown, 81.3. Offensive line grades, run blocking, Lyric Jackson struggled in the 30s. Steve Avila was a stud, 83.9, and middling grades for Coleman Shelton, 41.5, Kevin Dotson, 48, and Havenstein, 60. Pass blocking, Jackson pretty good, 66.5, Havenstein, 75.3, and Dotson, he was rocking at an 80.0. Avila struggled, 45.0, and Shelton, Not sure how they came up with this grade, 2.3. As a group, 
a total of 17 pressures allowed. So this offensive line seems to be on a little bit of a roller coaster. Played pretty well against the 49ers, struggled against the Bengals, rock solid against the Colts, and then fair to middling here against the Eagles. Some more grades. Some more grades. Cooper Cup, 82.3. Zach Van Valkenburg, 79.1. That guy needs more playing time. Witherspoon, 77.8. Kyron Williams, 70.9. Stafford, 69.5. So week five is in the books. I'm not going to get into a path to the playoff segment right now, but let's take a look at where the NFC stands right now. Four teams at the top of their divisions, the undefeated 49ers and Eagles, and then the Lions atop the NFC North, the Bucks, who had a bye this week, on top of the NFC South. Next up is the Seahawks. They had a bye as well, so they're sitting at 3-1, and one, their only loss to the Rams. Then you have three teams at 3-2, and two, the Cowboys, Falcons, and Saints. And then three teams at 2-3, and three, the Commanders, Packers, and our Rams. So essentially, the Rams would be tied for the ninth seed in the NFC right now. Now that sounds pretty dismal, but it really isn't. Keep in mind, three of the teams ahead of them, Seahawks, Cowboys, and Saints, the Rams play each one of them, and they also play two of the teams they're tied with, the Commanders and the Packers. So really, so really the Rams' fate is in their own hands. They just need to win the games they're supposed to win and let the chips fall where they may. And by the way, this result of the Raiders over the Packers, that's a good result for the Rams. Once again, an AFC team handing an NFC team a loss. Got to talk about our Dodgers. It is not going well. They are down two games to nothing. They go to Arizona now. They'll send Clayton Kershaw out there on Thursday, needing to win three straight. Clayton Kershaw in his 162 ERA, not 1.62, 162. Yeah, I'm going back to that same issue I have with CBS Sports showing their playoff stats. And after that horrid outing in the opener, yes, Clayton Kershaw a 162 ERA. Of course, that is for one playoff game, one really, really bad outing. Dodgers aren't dead, though. Need to win two in Arizona, come back and win game five. Tough road, though. They just look a little flat. Had some opportunities hitting into double plays and such. Not giving up on our Dodgers, but it's going to be a tough road to get through the Diamondbacks and then either the Phillies or the Braves to get to the World Series. And you know what? If they don't get past the Diamondbacks, David Roberts is going to take heat like he's never taken before. What's really disappointing with the Dodgers is, you know, their starting rotation is basically in a shambles. So you have to cut them a little bit of slack, have to lower the expectations. They are up against it. All the starters they have lost. But I thought the first two, they'd be okay. Clayton Kershaw and Bobby Miller, and neither of them could really get it done. Good opportunity to talk about college football. Things starting to shake out in the top 10. 
Michigan jumps Georgia for number one, Georgia now number two, Florida State three, and Ohio State four. Pac-12 still getting a little bit disrespected. I give you CBS Sports misspelling of Washington. That's how I read it. The Huskies at number five, followed by Oklahoma six and Oregon seven. USC dropped one spot even though they won. It's pretty rare for that to happen. You wouldn't see that happen if Georgia beat Marysville State. However, USC beats Arizona in overtime and they drop a spot. Whatever. It looks like the Pac-12's hope for the football playoff at this point is Washington and Oregon. And they face off this weekend. If Washington can get past Oregon, they still have USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State on their schedule. Man, that's a tough haul. But if they win all of those games, they got to be in the playoff. Of course, they would then have a Pac-12 championship game as well. Oregon, a pretty rough road too. If they were to beat Washington, they would have Washington State Utah, and USC left on their schedule, as well as their traditional rival, Oregon State, and then, of course, a Pac-12 championship game. So hopefully the Pac-12 doesn't cannibalize themselves, and that Pac-12 champion ends up with one loss, possibly even two. It's possible. But at this point, Washington and Oregon are our best hopes for a college football playoff team coming out of the Pac-12. And, you know, really, USC has no one but themselves to blame. They needed to put Arizona away. And that was at home. If it was on the road, different story. But at home, you got to clobber those guys. And the Trojan offense really struggled in that game. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.